Welcome to the South Metro Ministries podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Alan Matura. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 28. And on this our anniversary Sunday, I want to speak to you on all in. Who we are and where are we going as they play softly. Now, I'm going to get, get the first part of this message. It's a three-part message, but I got a three-part message going on about marriage. I got to pick back up. I got several series going on at one time. See, because I'm multitasking. But really, to tell you the truth, I don't always remember what I'm preaching. These are Jesus' final recorded words in the Gospel of Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I was going a different route before Wednesday evening on this sermon until the Lord got us in the baptismal pool on the adjacent building. And there was one young lady in that water who came to be baptized that changed the whole course of this message. And so I want you to stretch your hands in this direction and ask God to anoint me and help me. Come on, would you pray for me? Let me hear you about 15 seconds. Because every time I preach in this pulpit, you've helped me by praying for me. God, I'm Alan, but you've chosen me. And God, I know you can do it without me, but I, I want you to do it with me and through me. I want you to do it with us and through all of us. For the glory of the Lord, we give you praise. Amen. You may be seated. So, Mike, if you'll get that other video up. Now, this is Pastor Trey's fault here, what I'm fixing to describe. But it's also his credit. There was this thing going around on Facebook. I, I'm not a Facebook person. My wife does it. I don't do it. Because I figure if you won't see my face, you just come to church. See yours. Uh, but there was this challenge going around in February to get in cold water. And then, you know, just get in cold water. And then you challenge three other people to do it. And it's a lot of fun, and you record it, and you know, kind of thing. I heard that going around. I'm thinking, not me. But Jennifer, who is Fallon's mother, got Fallon a little sign in front of her that says, I challenge Papa, Mia, and Jennifer's sister, our daughter, Kimberly. And they took Fallon and dipped her little toes in some cold water. But the real trickster behind this is the youth pastor and his wife, who didn't want to lose his job, but he wanted me to be challenged so the kids in the church could see their pastors all in. And I knew his motive, but he's, you know, he's smart. He called Kimberly up, our daughter. Now, what you're about to see is me taking the challenge and giving the challenge, and this was on February 18th. In Hawassi, Georgia, at Lake Tatooge. I just want you to know when I told you 
those signs out there that I'm all in, I'm all in. But I did it too because of Fallon, my granddaughter, because maybe two or three years from now she'll see what an idiot her grandpa is. Okay? Lights down, roll the video. Okay, guys. This is Pastor Alan Matura. I have been challenged by my three-and-a-half-month-old granddaughter, Fallon, and Kimberly. And now, I nominate and challenge Pastor Bishop Terry Addis and Bishop... Tommy Powell, that's Trey's dad. And Bishop Greg Beard. Here I go. Notice the Iron Man T-shirt. It's Ready? forty-two degrees in that water. Thank you. Don't let me down, guys. Now, do you still want to follow me for the next 29 years? I'm all in, guys. Here's, if you've ever wondered, what is South Metro Ministries about? Why did God send him here? And what is our task? Here's, here's who we are. It's rephrased from years, over the years we restated. But this is our mission statement. You might want to write this down because beginning in April and a little bit beyond April, you're going to see it on the wall. You're going to see it on the, on the wall out there permanently. You're going to see it in our brochures. On our, everything we send out, the pen we give away, the CDs we put on, you're going to see this is, our, this is who we are. Put it on the screen for me if you have it ready. South Metro Ministries exists to help people find love, growth, and purpose in Christ. That's the Great Commission. That's what Jesus said to do. On the count of three, I want you to read it out loud with me. One, two, three. South Metro Ministries exists to help people find love, growth, and purpose in Christ. Leave it on the screen. Why are we here on approximately 25 acres with an appraised as-built value of $10 million and a recent construction program that cost $8.1 million and now we owe $5.1 million, which is fine with me because God paid it in the past and He'll pay it here and He'll use us if we'll obey Him. Why are we here on Highway 34, 39, 35, Highway 34 East, Sharpsburg, Georgia, 30277? Are we here to occupy space? Are we here to compete with other churches? No. And we're certainly not here to have a debt. Excuse me, it almost killed me last year. Are we here to be politically correct and socially acceptable? I don't think so. Are we here to have a country club atmosphere and a kumbaya, my lord? I ain't in, I'm, not, I'm not part of that. Are we here because we want to give each other something to do every Sunday so we can have points in heaven? I don't think so. We are here because of what God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, called us to do upon being saved. 
When Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Look, look at the screen. Go and make disciples. That's the text. That's what we're doing by loving people. Unconditional love. We're going to embrace you just like you came here. Red or yellow, black or white, they are precious in his sight. I, I don't, we're going to love you. I don't care if it's the first time in church or you've been to the altar 1,500 times. We're going to love you if you're tall, you're short, if you're, uh, yeah, if you're, uh, whatever, whatever. We're we going to love you. We're going to love you if you come in a suit or you come in regular casual clothes. Just put on some clothes. We're going to love you, okay? Because not only are we going to love you, but we're going to help you grow because the Scripture says baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's why we baptized 18 people last Wednesday night. And before the year is out, we hope to baptize by the grace of God over 100 people. Baptism doesn't equal membership. That's different. But baptism means I'm growing. I'm obeying. I'm, I'm serving God. I'm making a public declaration of a private decision. I want the whole world to know I'm all in for Jesus. And then Jesus said in the Great Commission, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. We want to, we want to have you purpose found. We're going to help you find your gift, your talents, your abilities. We are not asking you to be a pew warmer. We're asking you to come in and join the team. You have gifts. You have abilities I don't have. Pastor Trey has the ability to be a youth pastor and his wife that I don't have, okay? Pastor Chad has the ability to be a music pastor that I don't have. Some of you have the ability in your area as a field of administration. Some of you are in the field of teaching. Some of you are in the field of, uh, of, of, of politics. Some of you are in the, in the area of community service. Some of, you are, some of you just got money. We'll take that too. Because what we're trying to do is multiplication. We're trying to tell the addict, you, don't, you can be loved here. We're trying to tell the homeless, you can be loved here. We're trying to tell the divorcee, I wish somebody helped me preach, I'll do it by myself. We're trying to tell the divorcee, you, you're safe right here. Can I, can, I get, can I get an amen? We're trying to tell the pregnant teenage girl who should not have been, but now she is, that you're not trash. You're welcome here. We're going to save you and save the baby. Can I get an amen? We're trying to tell the lesbian and homosexual that while that's not God's preferred future for you, if you come and look for God, you'll find God here. Can I get an amen? Oh, I just feel a whoop glory. Now, I won't have time to preach the three purposes, but I'm going to preach about love right now. I'm going to talk to you about that one of the reasons we exist is because love, God is love. Can I get a witness, somebody? You see, much of the world in America today is searching for love. And, and I, I suppose that that's okay if you're looking in the right place. There's eHarmony. There is ChristianSingles.com. There is matchmate. And I suppose if you find the right match and the right person, you do all that stuff. That's okay, but <laughs> uh, well, I better keep preaching on. Oh, boy. Uh, there, there's some, the world's definition of love is not consistent with the Bible's definition of love. You might want to write that down. I'm going to say it again. The world, the secular world's definition of love is not always consistent with the Bible's definition of love. For the world, love means such things as a soulmate, which, which is good. 
But you can rush too soon and find out you didn't find your soulmate. You, okay. Uh, for the world, love means sexual pleasure. Living together outside of marriage. Homosexual and lesbian love. For the world, it means, love can mean giving and getting things. Manipulation. If you love me, you do so and so. Thank you. Others are looking for love through acceptance. So they compromise their values just to be accepted. They're looking for love through forgiveness. And that's a good place to find it because Christ forgives. Mercy, hope, and freedom. That's where you find Christ. Others are looking for love, and it's good that they are because of a horrible addiction they have. There are others who are looking for love to try to overcome abuse, physical, mental, and emotional abuse, and that's good, and they'll find it. But here's what the Word of God says about love. God is love. How about I just give you the Scriptures? Put it on the screen. 1 John 4, 7 and following. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not know God, pardon me, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Everybody say, God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. That God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might be saved. Understanding, if you will, oh, help me, Jesus. Keep going. In this is a love, not that we love God. Get, it, get this. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation, a substitute for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved... Oh, I just feel like something good is about to... Beloved means Alan, Valerie, Will, Charles, David, Marlon. That's all of you. Beloved means... If God loves us, we ought to also love one another. Look at your neighbor and say, I love you. And if you lied, I'm going to have an altar call in just a moment. God is love. But, but, oh, help us, Jesus. There's more than that. Look at, look at Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. I, I got to read this for you. And you, Alan Matura, and put your name right there, that's you. You have ye made alive, meaning Jesus, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. Whoa, whoa, right there. You may dress and look like little Lord Fauntleroy today, or Princess Cinderella, but there was a time. I don't care if you were like me, born in a preacher's house. When you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and according to the lust of our flesh. We were that. Give me the next verse, and I'm going to show you what he does. 
among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, just as others. Oh, I'm coming down right here where you are. How dare we look down the nose at somebody else? How dare we be a Pharisee and a scribe and say, when you get up to our level, then, then you know, like if we were born in some kind of, uh, some kind of temple or holy place, and like we got divinity around. How dare ain't a one of us have not been blackened by the sin that the devil has put on us. But thank God for the blood of the Lamb. Give, give, give me the next verse. I'm talking about the love of God. But God who is rich... In mercy, because of what? Because of his what? His great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Is there another verse? Not only have you been saved, but you've been raised up together. And you have been made to sit. To, ooh. You have been made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show you the exceeding riches of his grace and the kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. I don't care if you drive a Cadillac, a Lexus, or a Rolls Royce. You were sinners. But thank God, I don't care if you drive, if, if you ride a motorcycle or you walk to church. I want to tell you, God found you in the hog pen of sin when nobody else would give you the time of day. And he raised you up when mother wouldn't have you, when daddy wouldn't have you because you were so mean and ugly. When you lived to snort it up and chew it down and, 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 and put it in your vein and you fulfilled the lust of your flesh, didn't care whether it was a heaven and hell, God sent His Son to save you. Somebody help me, praise the Lord. My, 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 is this, take me to Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, that God may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in what? I didn't hear you. If you're rooted and grounded in love, Paul prays that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length. Everybody say length. And depth. Everybody say depth. And height. Say height. Go to the next verse. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I got to find this right here. Ooh, my, 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 my. Anniversary Sunday doesn't mean that you preach 29 minutes. It means you preach all you want to because there were times when you had more empty chairs here than we had people in the other building. <laughs> A first Sunday, 39 people were there. After they heard me preach, this crowd went down. But I still stuck with it. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. See, I'm not trying to build a mega church. I'm just trying to get you to heaven. Just trying to get you to heaven. Did I get this Bible on sale? What's wrong with it? All right. We'll just... That you might comprehend what is the width. You know what I tell Lakeland the Fallon? I says, Papa loves you this, 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 this much. 
When, when, when Lincoln come home, they'll run all over the house and say, Papa loves you. With. You can't measure how as far as your sin is from the east to the west. So Coriander, so far has he separated your sins. Tragically, but I hope soon they'll find the plane. 370 Malaysian Airline. And my hope is, Brother Sammy Bird, that they'll find it intact. My hope is, Harry Peden, that everybody be safe. But they're looking in the ocean. And it's so deep, Sister Mildred, and so dark. They can't, they, they cannot, it's been two weeks, maybe three, I don't know. That they've gone missing. But they're not missing to God. And for whatever reason why this has happened, God's in control. But you know what God did when he saved you? And took all your sins? He pulled you out of the ocean of sins. Your sin, your sin and my sin was so, so vast. We were in an ocean of sin. And God pulled us out. And left our sins in the ocean and took us out. And he hanged a no fishing sign where he took your sins from. So don't you go back there and fish and say, well, I'm not worthy. I guess God doesn't love me. I guess I ought to go back to the hell hole I came from. Pardon the grammar, but you hear it on TV and it's wrong. I'm just telling you where you came from was really hell. And, I, and the depth of God's love is unfathomable. Unfathomable. Uh, I didn't pronounce that right. You can't measure it. So wide, so deep, so high. Do you know we're just one little, little star or planet in a galaxy of a Milky Way? You ever see the movie Gravity with Sandra Bullock? You ought to see it. Number one, I ain't ever going to fly up in no space shuttle, dead or alive. I don't want my remains sent anywhere to space, okay? But in that movie, wow, the universe. By the way, everybody in this house needs to go see the movie, God is Not Dead. Everybody in this house. Needs, we're going to buy out the cinema for the young people to go. This church is going to buy out the, the cinema. I don't know how much it costs. I'm speaking by faith. It may have cut my New York trip off, but I don't care. Everybody needs to see the movie, God is is not dead. Valerie and I saw it on Wednesday. No, no, pardon me. Friday. This song used to say, if God is dead, who's this living in my soul? Let me, let me ask you this. If God's dead, who's the coroner that pronounced him dead? If God's dead, where's the death certificate that says he's dead? If God's dead, where, where has he been buried? Huh? Whoo, I feel like a jump off this. Huh? If, 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 if we just got here from a big bang, that's fine with me. Just thank God we got here, okay? I ain't here that whether, you know, then, then the other guy says we came from apes and monkeys. and Yeah, please, give me a break. I got some relatives that are kind of monkeyish, but... I don't know, I got off my sermon. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I get therapy by preaching to you guys. The Bible says the depth and length of God's love 
to know the love of Christ which surpasses all knowledge. Why would he love you? Why would he love me? It surpasses my knowledge. Let me ask you a question. What could you bring to the table for God that he needed that you got and he don't have? Can I, can I ask you a question? Uh, can you bring gold mines to God? That you, can you bring your PhD and nothing wrong with a PhD or your BA or your... Uh, or your can, you bring your, can you bring your bank account to God that, that he don't have enough money? Can I get a witness here? What, why would he even save us anyhow? He took a risk. He took a risk in saving us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave us this free will. Uh, well, let, let me move us. Let, let me show you this. How to love one another. Three points and I'm going to close, okay? How, how do we love one another? In that he loved us, how do we love one another? Number one, number one, we love each other unconditionally. Romans, Romans 5, 6, wait, wait, don't go there yet. Just leave it right there. God calls his sons and daughters, write this down. God calls his sons and daughters to love people as they are and to pray that he will do a work in their lives. That's why South Metro Ministries is here. To love you as you are. And to pray that God will do a work in your life. I was talking to somebody this week. And they told me their mother had been married 11 times. I thought Elizabeth Taylor had the record and Larry King. I really don't recommend it. You know? But Jesus loves you. How, how, do, how, how, how do you know this? Give me the scripture. Let me tell this church this. Christians are to love unconditionally. For when we were still without strength in due time... Christ died for who? Yeah. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah. 2,000 years ago, God sent his son, Jesus, and he died for us. Back in the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam and Eve a free will. The free will that we all have is precious, but it's dangerous. It's precious if you make the right choices. It's dangerous if you make the wrong choices. And God, knowing that we would have the freedom of choice to reject his son and the gift of salvation, or to accept it, went ahead and died for us anyhow. He knew that I would be born on January 27, 1957, on my grandmother's bed in a little village community called Montrose in the province of Shogonas in the little island 65 miles long and 25 mi 35 miles wide, Trinidad in the Caribbean. He knew that I would grow up in a preacher's house and he knew even that wouldn't guarantee my salvation. But he knew that at age 19, I had been saved 400 times before age 19. 
But at age 19, he called me to preach. And I, I chose. Really, I didn't choose. Because John 15, 16 really tells you what happened to me. The verse of scripture for my life, if you want to know what your pastor lives by, is John 15 and 16. This is my life's verse. But you have not chosen me, Alan, but I have chosen you. That you should go forth and bear fruit, and that your fruit shall remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will do it. That's my life's verse. Do you know why I exist? I exist for three reasons as a pastor. This is, this is why I exist as a pastor, for three reasons. Number one, to pray for you. Pray, pray, pray. This building you're in, this ministry, I'm not the prayingest man in the world, but I pray. I can learn a lot more. The second reason I exist as your pastor is to love people. To love people. And the third reason I exist is to preach the word. Shuck the corn all the way down to the husk. But when she married me, this Georgia peach of mine, she took a risk. Because, Patty, I had a head full of black hair. I weighed 128 pounds. Every bone of it. I drove a 1968 Plymouth Valiant in 1978 that if you push the brake too hard, you'd go through the floor like Fred. But that's what I had. I paid 500 bucks for it. She took a risk. You know, she brought all the furniture. As she waited to get for her hope chest, she asked her mom at birthdays and things, give me a, a bed, give me a nightstand, give me all of it. She brought all of that into the marriage. Trey, I brought my desk lamp from Lee University <laughs> and my 1968. By that time, I had moved up to a Plymouth Duster. <laughs> What's that? We're both 22 years old. It's December 22nd, 1978. Conley Church of God, 7 o'clock. All I knew is I needed to be there. And that there's going to be a honeymoon after. That's don't even go there, okay, because Gatlinburg, first, I proposed to her at Stone Mountain. Under the chimes, the bells at the organ. And I gave her a watch engraved in the back of it because at that time, the Church of God was so legalistic, you couldn't wear rings and all that kind of stuff. But now you can wear them in your nose and your ears. Well, anyhow. Uh, <laughs> and on the back of the watch, I had engraved, Will you marry me? But there wasn't enough room left for the question mark. So I just kind of made the statement like, You are going to marry me, aren't you? <laughs> and now it's 35 late, years later. Look, no hair. Some teeth, all real. She took a risk. I'm glad she did. I don't know how. She, I know how she feels some days. <laughs> you, you, you hear me preach, and you've got to imagine, she got to live with this every day. Like yesterday morning, she's walking out the bed, got out the bed, and I get up early. 
Sometimes it's because of my situation I went through last year. So yesterday morning I got up at 4.30. And this morning I did. But I was able to go back to sleep for a little bit this morning. So she's coming off the bed. And I know she is. And I, I, I hide under the bed. Under the bed. I hide. And she could hardly, and she hardly gets her eyes open. I go, Hoo. Don't you think the spirit of slap will come on a woman right now? She took a risk. She loved me unconditionally. She is colorblind. Look, it's brown. It's Indian. She's colorblind. But you know, I took a risk too because I married a white girl. So, anyhow, just, just, just kidding. Let me tell you this. I, I won't get to finish this message, but, but uh, do you know one of the hardest places in the world to find love can be a church? Do you know that? Do you know the people who gave Jesus the most trouble was the church people? The scribes and the Pharisees. Some of the, some of the hardest place to find love is, oh, everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. Come as you are. It's like fishing. They want to clean the fish before they catch it. Some churches. You know, I don't want us to dress good and look good if we can, but you don't even come here in blue jeans. You can come in here. You know, just, you don't have to have a suit. You don't have to. And I do this on Sunday, but when we go to the next service for the community, I'm, I'm coming. Yeah, mom. You know, because some people don't relate to the setting, okay? They think church is all about getting dressed up, so I don't have anything to wear, so I, you know, and in, in the church, you let something happen with somebody's daughter or somebody's son that shouldn't happen, drugs, alcohol, sexual stuff, go, you know, uh, may have gone to jail and all. Instead of embracing, some of the church people have the attitude like the scribes and the Pharisees, like the one guy praying, the Pharisee praying and the tax collector praying, and the Pharisee says, I'm glad, I'm glad God. That I fast three times a week and I give my tithes and offerings and I know my scriptures. You know that? And there's this tax collector who was considered trash by the Jews because he collected taxes for the Roman government. It considered garbage. And he gets down in the, in the same temple and he prays to God that he's unworthy. Please, God, forgive me of my sins. I'm unworthy. Who do you think God heard? Yeah. That's, you remember the occasion in the scriptures when in John 8, 3 through 11, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman to Jesus caught in adultery? The scribes and the Pharisees, I'm just teaching here, okay? They were the religious people. They were the ones who wrote the scriptures, they copied copies of the scriptures and perpetuated scriptures, okay? The Pharisees were the ones who were the legalists. They... they Announced everybody how many scriptures they knew because they wore little boxes, phylacteries on their head or on their arm. And the bigger the little boxes are, the more scriptures they memorize. They walked around in the marketplace and other places wanting people to call them rabbi and teacher. And so, because they're jealous of Jesus, instead of joining up with him and helping reach the world, they're jealous of him. 
because he performed signs and wonders and miracles and claims to be the Messiah, and they wanted their Messiah to come on a white horse and lead them against the Roman Empire and the Jewish people become the, rule, the rulers of the world and Judaism the religion of the world. Jesus said, I didn't come to establish that kind of kingdom right now, but I will later. They, they brought this woman caught in the act of adultery, and they said to, to Jesus, according to the law of Moses, this woman should be stoned, pelted to stone with stones until she dies. Now here's a question I've always had, and you have too. They brought the woman. Where was the man? Now, last I remembered, it takes two to uh, commit adultery. But, and he was just as guilty because if she was caught in the act, but the religious people, the religious people chose the woman. Because maybe that, the guy might have been a contributor to their pharisaical offerings. And they said to Jesus, because they want to catch him in a trap. Oh, you're going to, you're going to cause us to defy the law of Moses. We live by the law of Moses. And that's part of our problem is, is we got so many laws in Christianity, so many do, do not, do not, do not, do not, do not. And so, Jesus stooped down on the ground and started writing. Okay? And, and he wrote on there, I don't know what he wrote on the ground, he probably wrote some, one of those crowd, and where were you last night sleeping with who? I don't know what he wrote, but one thing I know is he, after a few minutes, he stood up and he looked up right there while he's writing. He's kind of writing, and this woman now, she's like a piece of trash. They drug her with her clothes with which she was involved in the act with. They drug her, literally. They didn't kindly escort her. They, 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 they drug her through the dirt and the sand, threw her on the ground. Here's his trash. And according to Moses... She's dead. What do you say, Mr. Teacher? And he just writes, writes. And then he looks up and he says, Which of you, without sin, cast the first stone? Any of you that have no sin in your life, right? Pretty soon, they back off from the oldest to the youngest. Back off. Because they ain't one of us without sin. All of us sinned this week in some way. I had to say, Lord, forgive me. I'm not talking about robbing the bank, committing adultery, fornication. But if you hated somebody in your heart, you, you sinned. And Jesus said, ma'am, uh, where are your accusers? Well, she doesn't know what's going on because she, she's eating the dust. Her face is nasty with the dirt. Her hair is mangled and tangled because they drug her there. And she looks around and she's crying and she's sobbing and she's thinking, I'm waiting for the first boulder, the first rock, the first stone. Maybe he's going to stone me. And I can just envision this. Jesus taking her by the chin and saying, Look at him. Neither... Do I condemn you? Go and sin no more. I wish somebody give a Lord a hand clap. Come on. If he's ever forgiven you, if he's ever forgiven you, 
If he's ever forgiven you, I'm talking about unconditional love. Yes! Come to the music. Be seated just a moment. Let me give you a couple more thoughts while they come to the music. Listen, if South Metro Ministries needs to be a place known for anything, it needs to be a place that is known for the love of God. Let me show you. Give me the next point. Christians ought to love each other sacrificially. We should not merely tell others about God's love, but we should show them that God loves through our demonstration of love. Did, did you hear me? First mm. John three sixteen through eighteen. Put it on the, on the screen. And I'm hurrying. By this we know love. Because Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought also to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Pause, pause. Oh, let's go. My little children... Let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed. Listen, some of you could write the check. But sometimes we need the check and your help. Okay? Some of you could help get some students to Winterfest and had a glorious time. But we need some chaperones sometimes. Some of you could say, I love the teenagers, but you need to see Pastor Trey and say, how can I help? How can I mentor a teenage girl? It won't take every day. Some of you, some of you, you need to be involved in the talents and gifts you have. You are in the choir. Show your love by singing to the Lord. Some of you are ushers, and I can't thank you ushers, and I can't thank you hospitality people, and you frontline people out there who meet the people in the parking lot, like Steve Neal, and, and, and people like others here in the church who lead ministries. Hospitality, and Nelson Norred, who's, who helps us with the leading the ushers right now, and, and, and Richard over here, who's our medic team. And I can go all through this, this church. Sammy, who is on the prayer ministry team. And then Will and Carolyn Williford, who leads the, the missions. Next Sunday, we're having a ministry fair here. All the ministries are going to be displayed out in the foyer area from this front of the building. All. We're going to display about maybe 20 ministries, and we're going to ask you to love more than just sitting in the pew. We're going to ask you to sign a card if you're interested. Doesn't mean you have to do you have to do it if you sign a card if you're interested. In world missions, we are going to give this year two hundred thousand dollars to world missions because our annual budget is two million dollars, and God says tied that. And we're going to save three Bible schools this year where men and women can be trained in the Word of God. Right now, we we support an orphanage in India. Right now, we support ministries in Africa, Ephraim Shawa in, in Lusaka, Zambia. Right now, we support a church in Trinidad. Right now, we support the Church of God Home for Children. It's called Smoky Mountain Children's Home, of which I'm privileged to be on the board of directors. Right now, in, because you give, we support a better way ministry. We support what this couple, Wayne and Joyce Banks, right over here, 
house called known as Joseph Storehouse. Right now we support where Pete is in charge of and our director of that ministry, Recovery House. This church is not here to well up money in the bank and say, okay, God, we, gotta, we, we are wise enough to save money. But I'm telling you, we need to love the world. We need to love the world. And everybody ought to know who Jesus is. But we ought to love each other. Sacrificially love each other. Can I get an amen? And, and then I got one more thought. Come praise team. Come Pastor Chad. Christians are to love personally. Everybody say personally. That means that we give our time, our effort, and energy to loving each other. That means that the only Christ most people will ever see is the Christ they see in us. Write that down. Write that down. The only Christ most people will ever see is the Christ they see in us. And you might wear I love you Jesus t-shirt, but you better be careful what's coming out of your mouth because you're a testimony. You may wear one of them wristbands. What would Jesus do? And next thing you do is what would Jesus wouldn't do? Am I shuck in the corner or I need to go a little further? Huh? I'm, I'm just like you. I get tempted. I got to do it personally. Okay? Now give, me, give me the scripture if you will. If someone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he sees, how can he love God whom he does not see? Come in church and avoid certain people and won't sit with them. That ain't love. See your brother or sister in the Lord at the store? That ain't love. Had words with them and left that church, going to another church, shouting whoop glory, when you have unresolved business with a brother or sister in another church. Oh, I've made a lot of people mad over the last 29 years, and they've left the church and been mad at me. And every one of them I can think that I can apologize to, I want to make it my point. Now, I don't like to apologize, see, because I'm super pastor. But I need to apologize, because I'm a hypocrite if I come tell you to love, and I got somebody that I don't like. There's a little poem I came across from Christine Kane that... I'm going to read and close. You see, it's time for the church to be the church. And not just to be a bunch of religious people with rituals. Are you hearing me? It's time for us to understand that the lost is not somebody else's responsibility. That's why we're here. You didn't hear me. I said the lost world, your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife, your co-worker, your carpool, your students... The lost world, I don't mean just in Asia and Africa and India. The lost world is right in the subdivision where you live. Some of them live in your house. They are not somebody else's responsibility. They're ours, the church. And you and I are the church. God never called us to be comfortable and safe and risk-free Christians. Jesus didn't come to make us safe. He came to save us, write it down. He came to save us, but he didn't come to make us safe. He came, he came to make us dangerous to the kingdom of the devil. How many demons run at your name? Like Paul, I know. Jesus, I know, but who are you? How many demons, how many demons run when they say, I'm going to take that prayer request to so-and-so. I'm going to call up so-and-so. We're not called to be S-A-F-E. We're called the S-A-V-E, save the world. Let me tell you something, okay? The fact is, 
The statistics are plain. Death is the ultimate statistic. One out of one die. Do you all hear me? Yeah. Death. That's why undertakers and funeral directors don't have to worry about. I got a guy in this church. His name is Norman Perry. He sells caskets. And every time he shakes my hand, it's like he's feeling my pulse. I wonder if he's ready yet. You know what Norman says to me? He says, it's good to see you and not to view you. And when he comes to view me in my casket, I'm going to reach up and slap him. I know, Val. I I know, honey. Uh, let, Let me read this to you. I don't know who wrote it. It's anonymous, but it's called The Pit. It's called The Pit. Listen to this. A man fell into a pit and could not get himself out. A subjective person came along and said, I feel for you down there in the pit. An objective person came along and said, it's logical that someone would fall down there in that pit. A Christian scientist came along and said, you only think you're in the pit. A Pharisee came along and said, only bad people fall in the pit. A newspaper reporter wanted the exclusive story on the pit. A fundamentalist Christian came along and said, you deserve your pit. Confucius said, if you had listened to me, you wouldn't be in that pit. Buddha said, your pit is just a state of mind. A realist said, that's a pit. A scientist calculated the pressure necessary per pound and square inch to get him out of the pit. A geologist told him to appreciate the rock strata in the pit. A tax man asked if he was paying taxes on the pit. The city inspector and the building inspector came along and asked if he had a permit to dig a pit. An evasive man came along and avoided the subject altogether. A self-pitying person says, you haven't seen anything until you've seen my pit. A charismatic Christian came along and said, just confess you are the pit. I want to slap him too. An optimist said, things could be worse. A pessimist said, things could get worse. And they will. Jesus, seeing the man in the pit, knelt down, reached out his hand, and pulled him out of the pit. And that's what he calls us to do. Stand up to your feet. Start singing. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up to your feet. Come on. If you've ever been in a pit and God's ever pulled you out. Come on. Sing. I am here I Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit smmcog.com.